Episode 148 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. Coronavirus and its impact continues to be really the only story these days. Assistant Sedgwick County Councilor Justin Wagoner was the point person for putting together the county's order. We'll talk to him about the order and, more importantly, the exceptions in which businesses are impacted. First, the big story in the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal, continuing coverage of the local business impact of COVID-19. More details on the stay-at-home order from the county and a Q&A session with Kansas Secretary of Commerce David Toland. We also talk to business owners and managers about how they're coping. That coverage begins on page 10. This week, we feature a special report on the Wichita wind surge, some non-coronavirus news, how they're doing as they approach opening day someday, and who has signed on to be the sponsors for the team. That package begins on page 26. This week, we spend 10 minutes with Jared Forma. He's the general manager of the Wichita wind surge, page 35. This week's list, residential real estate mortgage lenders, page 6. Business intelligence is available to you, new real estate deals, bankruptcies, building permits, who's setting up a new corporation, back taxes, court judgments. Our business leads are in each weekly edition. This week it begins on page 34. Back to talk with Assistant Sedgwick County Counselor Justin Wagoner after this. Welcome to Biz Talk with Bill Roy of the Wichita Business Journal. Talking business, your business that is, is what Equity Bank's team of bankers does best. Visit us today at equitybank.com. Justin, welcome. Thank you for uh, being here with me, and thank you for suffering through some of the technical issues we've had, but we got you here now, and that's the main thing. Thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me, Bill. I appreciate it. You bet. Let's uh, establish some foundation. Where are you from? Are you from this area? I'm originally from around from around Beloit, Kansas, in north central Kansas. Uh, went to, to undergrad at K State. My whole family is K State family, and then uh, ended up joining going to KU for law school. Uh, but my loyalty remains to Wildcats, as Good. I understand you're a K State fan too. Absolutely, bleeding purple. You gotta love it. Yep. Also, and, uh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. You undergrad at K State. And where'd you go to law school? Uh, University of Kansas. Okay. Got it. Uh, even for a K-Stater, you got to go to the KU Law School or Washburn. Yeah, they don't have one of those in Manhattan. Right. Well, uh, first, let's talk about how you and the staff sort of attacked this challenge. You knew the at the direction of the county manager and the county commission that uh, they wanted to take a look at a stay-at-home order for this area. Talk about how you guys attacked that challenge. Sure, and, and for a little background, on on Sunday, uh, the county commission had a special special meeting where the chairman had asked us uh, towards the end of that meeting and discussion to look at what Johnson County had put together and come forward with a draft that would look uh, quite a bit like Johnson County's uh, stay at home order that they had just made effective. Uh, the day actually earlier that day they their local health officer had signed it so we brought forward one that looks i would say probably 99 percent the same as what johnson county uh, had enacted earlier and wyandotte county and kansas city missouri all did they kind of all acted more or less lockstep with one another that this past weekend are there subtle differences any differences from the johnson county version there are 
but they're, you know, like I said, it's, I, I think Johnson County and Wyandotte counties are probably 99% the same. Ours is probably 99% the same as theirs, but they're, they're, when I, if you ask subtle differences, I mean, it's, I, I think if you, in, in terms of how they apply to businesses, I think they've been applied pretty consistently in between the counties. Right. Um, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make you go through the 26 exceptions, uh, I wanted to make sure on this podcast that we talked about for our listeners who are business folks, just exactly what those exceptions are and then uh, maybe who is not accepted and who who has to close. Um, I, our story on the Wichita Business Journal website, the headline is what businesses need to know about Sedgwick County stay at home order. And so it does have a list of those exceptions. I'll run through those. There are 26 like I say, I don't, I'm not going to make you do that, but I'll do that real quickly. Uh, it's sure. uh, the businesses that may stay open, the exceptions, all businesses and operations deemed essential. And so among them, healthcare facilities, including hospitals and physicians' offices, grocery stores and businesses that sell food and cleaning supplies, businesses that provide food, shelter, and social services for the needy or economically disadvantaged, media outlets. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, gas stations and auto repair, banks and financial institutions, hardware stores, service businesses, and that includes plumbers, electricians, exterminators, construction, cleaning and janitorial, security, HVAC, and the list goes on, painting, relocation services, lawn care and landscaping, other trades and service providers who provide services necessary to maintain safety, sanitation, and essential operation of residences, essential activities, and essential businesses. Also, shipping and mailing services, educational institutions for purposes of providing distance learning, laundromats, dry cleaners, laundry service providers. Once again, these are exceptions to the stay-at-home order. Restaurants, but only for drive-through, delivery, or carry-out services. No consumption on premises. Schools providing meals count here, but only for carry-out meals. And we know there are a lot of schools, uh, some schools, that are doing that in the Wichita School District. Businesses supplying products needed for people to work from home. Electronics. I may need a laptop. I may need a new modem. Those types of things. So uh, those businesses would stay open. Shipping businesses that send groceries and goods directly to homes. Transportation providers for commercial and essential needs. Home-based care for seniors, adults, or children. Residential facilities for seniors, adults, or children. Professional services such as accountants, lawyers, insurance agents, and real estate services. Child care facilities providing services for those employees exempted from the order. Mortuary, cremation, and burial services. Hotels and motels, but only for lodging and delivery carryout of meals. Manufacturing companies and supply chain companies producing and supplying essential products and services for residences and industries. And there's a list of industries there that you can see also in our story on the uh, website. I won't list those. Uh, leaders and employees of religious institutions. So that's kind of the complete list. I would imagine that uh, is, is there a way to sum up, Justin, uh, what companies uh, must close or what businesses must close, a characterization of those? Sure. I, I think that the best characterization would be the, the things that are non-essential would be items that are probably more geared towards entertainment, uh, perhaps, or you know, where people are gathered together. And I think one thing that, to add to what you, you did a good summary of the order, um, but between both that order and then um, all 
also the governor had a, a an executive order that recently came out. There's a limitation on public gatherings. So right. if you have events, and the way it would be, those two would be read together within Sedgwick County is if you have more than nine people in a close proximity to one another, it can be a public gathering. But uh, to better answer your question you asked about what is not essential, I think you talk about entertainment types of activities. I mean, that could be arcades. Uh, you could be talking about you know water parks, things like that. I think also... Um, you get into situations where people may be in close proximity. Some of the guidance that the CDC has given on this is that um, your your likelihood of picking up COVID-19 from another person goes up a lot if you have close contact with them. And close contact, part of that definition, I mean, usually it would be like whoever's in your household, but a, another part of it would be if you're around somebody uh, within a six-feet distance for 10 minutes or more. And so certain businesses, that's kind of part of part and parcel of what their business is. If you go to the barber, hair salon, go, you know, people get their nails done. Those are those are professions and, and work that that's kind of part of the job. And so the, the risk for COVID-19 spreading from person to person goes up in those. I'll go through a list here. I kind of gone through uh, just to try to give you a, a better idea of other things the county's interpreted as not being essential. Right. Uh, I figured that might be beneficial. Fitness clubs and gyms are included as, as you know not being considered essential. Um, uh, massage businesses, uh, general clothing stores. Uh, we, we did distinguish some. If you've got a business that's, for example, providing scrubs, or uh, maybe they're in the business of providing uh, uniforms for first responders. Those would be essential because they have to uh, supply those essential businesses. But like a general clothing store uh, usually would not be considered essential. Uh, the tobacco and vaping stores, we've, we've not found those to be essential. Um, also, stores that may specialize in selling like hobby, arts and crafts types of products. Um, other specialty stores like maybe those that sell uh you know, music, uh, you know, like CDs, things like that, athletic right. equipment, you know, like, uh, you know, workout clothes and things like that, or maybe sell, sell music equipment. Uh, we wouldn't consider those essential. Uh, I mentioned entertainment items. Uh, I'd also add to that movie theaters, you know, trampoline parks, bouncy house types, types of activities. Uh, those would also be non-essential. Uh, we've, We've also had our opinion that car washes and detailers would not be essential. Some of the distinction there is that, if, you know, that the real point is to be able to keep infrastructure and, and transportation moving, but those are not really integral to keeping cars moving right. as opposed to, a, you know, an auto repair shop is essential. Um, also, some other things we've uh, opined on and said would not be essential would be like a marketing services business, um, a, a tattoo uh, business, libraries. I think most of the libraries have already closed down anyways, but that would not be essential. Uh, along a similar line, a bookstore, I guess, would be a specialty store that would not be essential. Uh, and then, as you noted, like educational services would only be able to be provided to the extent that they're facilitating distance learning. Uh, one thing I would say to, to maybe clarify some of this question come up a number of times is that businesses can um, still fulfill or ship online orders and deliveries as part of their business. And so if you have a business that that's something that they're going to try to do is provide those those goods and services. And you made the example of like a somebody who may need a modem or something like that. The businesses, to the extent they can provide that to people's homes to help them work from home, uh, you know, that would still be permitted uh, in that limited, but that's in that limited instance, but that's different than having your doors open and inviting the public in. And uh, the idea would be that there'd be a less 
likelihood of a person-to-person transmission of COVID-19, which is why that's been distinguished a bit. You had also wanted to make the point, too, that obviously a lot of people have been calling. I'm sure they've been lobbying the county commissioners and things like that, wanting clarification or opinions. Uh, but uh, I know that you um, you work for the county uh, for the county. You're an assistant county counselor, and uh, there may be a time when uh, these private businesses may need to get their own legal opinion. Right? That's that's a really good point, Bill. Uh, you know, and as you mentioned, I, I work for for the county. So our clients, you know, the the county is an organization. So the board of county commissioners, county staff, county elected and appointed officials. You know, and I pre- helped present this item on on Monday when this was presented, just to help explain to the commissioners and I think in part as well to the public what this order would look like if Dr. Menz ended up approving it. And you know, he has now approved that order. Um, but I, the I'm speaking to you now to help explain how we've interpreted it, how it works. Uh, you know, as a public service, I think to people who might be listening. But it's not legal advice for me to them. They're they're independent legal issues that I think each you know business employee may want to consider in this if they have concerns about that i'd certainly urge them to reach out to their own legal counsel I mean, a good example that i would give is sometimes we've had concerns from um employees who have said that perhaps they don't think their employer's business is essential or not um you know and we've in, in several of those cases we've urged those folks to either reach out to the organization's human resources department or else you know seek their own legal counsel uh, so i think that is an important point to make I mentioned just a moment ago that uh, I'm sure the, uh, the the commissioners talked about it. They talked about how uh, company owners and company managers were giving them a call and saying, hey, you know, maybe we should stay open. There may have been some lobbying there. Um, did you guys have a lot of phone calls that you were that you were fielding as you were starting to put this together? Uh, we've certainly had a lot of communications. I, I think it's been through a, a number of different channels. I mean, you mentioned the commute. The you'd have the, each of the county commissioners certainly has had lots of constituents who have been in touch with them on this. Who, and I would I would credit the public and the business community as well on this. Is that there's been an interest in, and also we've seen compliance with this and trying to make sure they're playing by the rules, which is which is actually I think good to see. Right. Uh, the public health matter because people I think legitimately are trying to. Uh, to comply with this order i think people want to um you know because the point's been made by a lot of people that to every business owner of course their business is essential but within this order essential is kind of a term of art and so and you get into some gray areas as well and i know we've encountered that Um, that's probably part of the reason i'm talking to you is to try to help explain those gray areas it's inevitable that if you draw the line you try to say what's essential that you're going to have questions about what is or is not essential I, and while i'm while i'm talking with you about that bill i did want to take a quick moment to point out that we're frequently answering questions on this i mean probably you know i think we've probably had several hundreds of people reach out and business owners reach out about this the county does have a frequently asked questions uh email and that's so if you spell it out it's stay at home faq all one word at sedgwick.gov and also, there's a phone line that folks can call up. That number is 316-660-9000. And I think there is a frequently asked questions website that's featured prominently on SedgwickCounty.org where you can click and read through how the county's interpreted this executive order. But I do think those are important resources because we've tried very hard to be responsive to folks who've asked questions. 
And I will uh, include that in the blog that goes along with this podcast as well. I'll make sure there's a link there. Uh, and you. doing the uh, the link to the I'll I'll put together the phone number and the uh, and the email as well. What's next, Justin? What's next in this process? Well, that's a very good question. I, I think um, you know Dr. Menz is who issued this order, and I, I think uh, you know that's been important to note, which is you know he's our local health officer. He's the local health officer for Cedric County under state law. He's afforded a uh, fair amount of. of authority and discretion in determining what he would do. I know he's made some statements that this is something he's continually evaluating. And so, you know, I I can't tell you for sure what the future holds, you know, in terms of COVID-19 for Sedgwick County and how that's going to impact us. I think it's just kind of a a continually monitoring it uh, and see how this applies. So I I, I don't have a great answer for that, but I hope that does help some. We're all up against something that uh, we've never had to deal with before, right? And I'm sure that's the same way with you and the the staff at the county counselor's office. Well, I think that's very true. I mean, these some of these powers and these issues that are coming up, and of course, not just in Sedgwick County, but all over the country, and honestly, all, all over the world. I mean, there's there's issues coming up, and uh, that have not really uh, come up for in, in many places for decades, uh, or at least to this extreme. So, it, it you know, I think I think even. Uh, people who've been practicing medicine for a long time or have been working on these matters for a long time, it's, it is, uh, at least in, maybe perhaps in our lifetime, somewhat unprecedented. Well, we appreciate your hard work, and uh, we know there's more to come, and so we want to say thank you for that. The Wichita Business Journal is about to publish a small business resource guide to help provide a one-stop shop for information, and we will continue to report on stories as they happen each day and there's definitely something new each day that's for sure assistant county counselor justin wagoner thank you very much appreciate you being here for and helping to clear this up for us oh you're welcome bill thanks for having me on i appreciate it i'll be back in a moment at equity bank stories of growing businesses are a favorite of ours so we created our own little series called napkin stories visit equitybank.com to see how some great businesses got their start. Well, that's it for BizTalk with Bill Roy this week, episode 148. Check out all our episodes at our BizTalk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. BizTalk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks to producer Brittany Showalter. And thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.